0: Well, welcome back to another episode of the Cruise Conversations Podcast. I'm Frank. And I'm Michael. Today's episode is episode number 23, and we're going to be discussing whether or not ship size matters. Let's jump into it. Well, thanks for tuning in to
1: another episode of the podcast. You know, Frank and I hope that everyone had a great Thanksgiving. You got to eat a lot of good food, spend time with family. Frank, how was your Thanksgiving?
0: It was great. It was really good. It was our first year doing kind of both families so really got a chance to spend time with her family we actually ran (laughs) it was like someone sent me that meme of like is your partner one of the people that like likes to run on the holiday and not me yeah that's never been me either but this year it was me i was that guy so that was interesting to start the day off but got to eat a ton of food and eat a lot of turkey and so really nice time got to relax so how was your thanksgiving michael
1: yeah, mine was good. So about kind of every other year right now, we're going back out to California. That's obviously where Tara's family's from, and she grew up. So, you know, we actually almost did Navigator of the Seas while we were out there before, wow. kind of like right when we got in and kind of just did time like us before we hung out with family, but decided last minute, you know, we just bought the house and everything. We're like, yeah, maybe we shouldn't. This it year. sounds
0: like it's going to be out there for a while, so you'll you'll definitely have the opportunity. I, wa- I really want to go on the slide. I don't know why that just the, the water coaster. Yeah, it looks yeah. awesome. There's no other ship. I don't know why Royal didn't put the water coaster on more on more ships, but that thing looks awesome. So I need to go out to California with you next time. Yeah. Now,
1: did you hear some of the big cruise news this week?
0: No. So in the last twenty
1: four hours, they have officially canceled the three year cruise. Right. Wow. And this was going to be. I don't even know what the company's name was, but it's supposed to hit 375 ports, 135 countries over the three years. People were legit selling like their apartments to go on this cruise. Yeah, And about a month or so, I mean, it was initially supposed to launch November 1st, and then it got pushed back about a month. They kept pushing it back because they didn't even have a ship for this thing at the time. So people bought into this three-year cruise, not even wow. know like what. Was even on the ship because there was no ship. But within the last 24 hours, it's officially canceled. So I don't know what that means for people that paid all this money.
0: Hopefully, hope. they get their money back.
1: Yeah, all back. But
0: yeah, do you have, like, I guess if you had travel insurance, I mean, it's technically you're not buying a condo, so you're buying a trip, and hopefully they were able to get it back. But I know that for the ultimate world cruise that Royal Caribbean was doing, that one's 274 nights, and that starts soon, too. I mean, That's one that they announced. I mean, it's on an older ship. It's 274 nights hitting like all of the wonders of the world. Oh, that'd be neat. They sold it in four segments or maybe it's three segments, but basically it split it up. Yeah. Into four different kind of, you could book it based on like these different, like it's going to Asia or it's going to South America. So you don't have to sign up for like all of the 274 nights, but it looks cool. I mean, I couldn't imagine. And I think if you did book it, you get like the drink package included and gratuities and All of it. I mean, it was expensive. I'm not going to say like it's included because it was expensive to book. But I'm excited to hear how this one goes and see maybe this is going to be something that they just dedicate one of their kind of older, you know, just standard ships just to have, you know, running this kind of a longer itinerary. And then it would be fun to jump on for a few months. Just maybe we could run the podcast from uh, the (laughs) world cruise.
1: And what we're getting out of this, you know, Royal, they're a reliable company. So don't book with some sketchy company that's promising a three-year cruise. (laughs) So moving on to our main topic for the day, like Frank said at the start, we're going to be talking about ship size and does it actually matter? You know, when you look at ships over time, they've grown in size. The cruise lines are making the ships, for the most part, bigger and bigger. And there are some outliers here and there. And if companies are taking over ships from other companies and remodeling them, like Margaritaville at sea, older ship, smaller, newer line. So we kind of just want to break down kind of what defines a smaller ship versus a larger ship what you're going to find on these ships, kind of itineraries they may go on, and who kind of like the target demographic may be for both these types of ships. So Frank, how are we going to define small, medium, and large ships?
0: Yeah, so when you ask like does ship size matter, I think it's good to like level set beforehand. Hey, this is a small ship, this is a medium-sized ship, and this is a large Now. Most, some people that are listening to this podcast have gone on some super small ships, like some pri- almost like it's like a private yacht. Like for example, Ritz Carlton, if you aren't aware, they have what they call like their yacht collection. And that, you know, those are like hundreds of people, but we're kind of, we're working on, like we're talking more of the mass market cruise lines. And you know, one of the, you know, most of the cruise lines we've already discussed in this podcast, but Norwegian Virgin Royal Caribbean celebrity princess carnival, Um, All of those different cruise lines, right? So we're talking more of the mass market. So small is going to be a bigger range, probably. If you're really into like the smaller Viking, kind of more private experiences, but we did break it into three groups: small, medium, and large. And we really looked at we looked at the gross tonnage of these cruise ships, and then as well as the number of guests. So, for example, for Royal, small is really going to be like the Vision Radiance class. Voyager class and Freedom class is going to be the medium, and then large is the Icon Oasis. Uh, For Carnival, the smaller classes are really like the Fantasy class, Spirit class, and then the large uh, classes is the Excel class. And for the medium size, it's we're looking really at like the Dream class, right? Like 130,000 gross tons, you know, around 3,500 guests, right? So that's we kind of broke it like the small ships are less than 100,000 gross tons typically, the large you know, the massive, the, the, you know, the Oasis and the icons and the Mardi Gras, right? 150, 180, 200 plus thousand. And then medium is going to be in the middle, like 120 to 180 is what we're looking at there. And, I, and we could probably do a whole episode just breaking down all of the different cruise ships. It would take us hours to talk about every single class across all the different lines, but there are some nuances, right? So, you know, Virgin is a really good example. So Virgin is a new cruise line that came into the market And they're not making, you know, huge ships by any means. Like I saw it in Miami. I was like, wow, it's actually like if you look at it against like we were going on Oasis of the Seas, you're gonna say, Oh, that's a small that's a small ship. In reality, it's probably small, medium, probably more like a medium sized cruise ship, but you know, when you're looking at some of them, you might put it in a small category. So it, it really, like what we're talking about today, it's going to just kind of depend on what cruise line you're talking about. So we are going to kind of overgeneralize a little bit. And then you've got an example like Margarita at Sea, right? So Michael, that was one that the it's a new cruise line. They kind of bought an older ship and that one is still like a smaller, they didn't make that one from scratch.
1: Correct. Yeah. Margaritaville at Sea actually bought a real old ship that initially launched. It was a Costa ship back in 1991. So it's less than 55,000 gross tonnage holds less than 17,000 people at max capacity. So yeah, like like you said, you're also seeing some newer lines that are going and buying older ships. And like the, what, the normal Margaritaville Sea cruise, I think it's only like two days. It's nothing great. I think you go down to the Bahamas and back and that's it.
0: Yeah. And I think you made a really good point at the beginning of the episode about how these cruise lines keep going bigger and bigger. And we're seeing it even for like the celebrities, right? And the princesses and these, you know, Royal Caribbean and Carnival and Norwegian, they're all just getting, you know, these massive ships. And we talked about this last, in last week's episode, a little bit about the discovery class and what Royals kind of teasing as, Hey, you know, we may end up creating some smaller ships to kind of backfill older ships that we know we just, it's going to cost them too much money to kind of go and do what they need to do to those ships. And so they're like, well, we'll just make like a, a new line and kind of phase out the old ships And so it'll be interesting to see, but for the most part, yeah, just bigger and bigger, more things, more amenities. And I think it's creating this almost like dichotomy between like, here's like these super small old ships that were built in the nineties. And then you've got these brand new cruise ships that you see on TV that are like slides and all these like restaurants and bars and just fancy stuff. And it's like, what we're talking about today is kind of like going into, okay, for price, for age and demographic, for activities, dining, entertainment, crowdedness, like what, what is that ex- experience going to look like if you do book the smaller ship versus you book the larger ship?
1: So starting off with the smaller ships, some just high level of pros and cons to sailing on a smaller ship. You know, some cons that de- depending on who you are, you're gonna have less bells and whistles on the ships. So like we said, you may not have the water slides or the flow rider or just different zones throughout the ship. And they're going to, for the most part, be older. But kind of the nicer thing with the smaller ships is you can go to some ports that the larger ships can't dock in just because whether you have to take a tender at the place or the dock's just not large enough to handle some of the mega ships that are out there today. You know, when I think of me on smaller ships, the first couple of cruises I did as a family were on smaller ships. And at the time, it was all I really knew. Yeah. Like I knew, all right, you had the pool deck, you had the buffet, and that was really it. When you look at some of the older kind of carnival ships I did back in 2012 or early 2010s. And, but at the time, like I said, it was all I knew. We had a great time. Yeah. But now, as the more I've done, and like we've said, as they've grown larger and larger, I've done larger and larger ships, you really get to start to see some of these pros and cons kind of written out more. Like, take specialty dining for an example. If you've gone on some of the larger, newer ships these days, You have a lot of specialty restaurants. If you go on an older, smaller ship, you may just have the main dining room, maybe a steakhouse and an Italian restaurant or like one other type of specialty restaurant, but you're not going to have nearly as many places to eat, even just kind of free food throughout the day. You may have to really kind of go seek out and the variety is probably not going to be as big as some of the newer ships. Yeah. And then from a price standpoint, the smaller ships for the most part are going to be cheaper. Yeah. Now, unless maybe you were doing some exotic itinerary going to some crazy cool places. Yeah. And then as far as the demographic on smaller ships, you're probably not going to see as many kids on it. Because like I said, without as many bells and whistles, if you're trying to book a vacation for your family, you're going to want your kids to stay entertained during yeah. the day and not get bored, really.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's we both kind of grew up going on, like you said, smaller ships. And I remember my my first cruise was there was a rock wall and that was it. There was a couple of pools, hot tubs, but you know, they had the teens club, the kids areas, but you didn't have tons of water slides and flow riders and zip lines and all of the things that they have now. So you pretty much just kind of may do, but once you go on, like you bring your kids on a larger ship, good luck trying to bring them on the small, (laughs) like, you know what I mean? Like they're not going to be like, how, how are you going to convince them to go on the smaller ship again? Once you show them like, look at this water park you got on this cruise ship <laughs> with drop slides and ra- you know raft water slides and dry slides. and
1: Yeah. To that point there, because the kids are really just me be going between the pool, teens club and putt putt. And that's really going to be it.
0: Yeah. And I think that to your point, basically like the small ships are great, just going to be a completely different demographic. Typically, right. It's just going to be a little bit older, still a great time. Just, you're going to find a lot more kids on the larger ships and more families really. So let's go through kind of the pros and cons of the larger ships, right? So we've already kind of talked about, you know, more families, more activities on board, lots of different things to do constantly, right? Um, In terms of specialty dining and dining options, you know, you're going to see free food or specialty dining options kind of spread, you know, spread across the ship um, as well as just different, you know, entertainment options and venues, right? So on the Oasis class, Icon class, even Mardi Gras, and on Norwegian Encore, you know, you're going to have so many different things going on, so many different shows, different venues. You you may encounter some more crowds. I noticed for myself going from the shows, like leaving the theater, for example, and being on that deck 4 on an Oasis class ship. That's where you kind of feel the most crowds. There's everyone's kind of in the same spot. Um but you know, you kind of you get over that, right? Like it's the cost of just having all those options and being the ice shows, the comedy shows, the the you know different things going on in the theater, the Broadway shows, just all of that's kind of happening around the same times. So it can get a little bit congested, but again, that's kind of like the price I guess you pay of of having all of that on board, and you know it's it's not too bad. You just kind of have to work within it and maybe just not be in as big of a rush. In terms of the itineraries, you know, definitely a big factor, right? If you're booking a larger ship versus a smaller ship, where are we going, right? For me you know, booked the smaller ship for Europe because it went to Sicily. That was really important to me, but there's no way that an Oasis class or even some of the smaller ships are going to be able to dock in there, right? So, uh, b- you know, the bigger ships for Europe specifically are going to have the more basic itineraries where you may be an hour away from some of the bigger cities that you're going to have to kind of get onto a shuttle or a bus to get to. So that's just something to, to point out. It's not bad necessarily, uh, just, you know, more limited ports. Yeah, and then
1: even looking at things like stateroom categories, your newer, larger ships have a bunch more stateroom categories than some of the older ships. Like The older ships, you really have your, your interior, your balcony, your window room, whereas the number of suites on some of these newer ships, like we've yeah. talked about that townhome suite or whatever they're calling it at Icon that we oh. said was like 25000 a week, but it's like multiple stories. 75000 a week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <even laughs> but yeah, more. the three-story the
0: three townhouse.
1: Yeah, I mean... You don't find any of that on older ships. I mean, older ships, you may have your standard suites and your junior suites, but you're not going to nearly have nearly as many rooms of that type even available on the ships.
0: Yeah. And then one more consideration when you are looking for smaller versus larger is, again, just the ports and, you know, whether or not you're going to be tender or docked. For me personally, I'd like to look at this because I I don't love getting on a tender for a port. I, you know, I did it a couple of times in Europe. It's fine. It's just if you have the choice, you're going to want to dock and walk off the ship and say you forgot something. It's like it's like an out. It's like probably like 40 minutes like to go back and forth versus you know you just walk on the ship, go through security, super easy when you're docked versus you know, you still have to go through security, but now you got to get on like two different boats like there and back to even get to the ship and so that's something just to kind of look at whether whether it's a larger ship or a small ship. I recommend everyone just look at that specific Part of the itinerary, whether or not you're actually going to be docked or if you're going to be tendered.
1: And then, like we mentioned earlier, Virgin Voyages is kind of the outlier here. Like, yeah. You know, we said the smaller ships are, for the most part, much older than the larger ships, but that's the thing. Virgin ships are brand new ships. They're, like we said, they're kind of on the smaller to medium size, but everything on it's brand new. So it's kind of cool to see a newer line and how they build their brand on a smaller ship, you know. We did an episode on Virgin in the past and we talked about how some of it is more edgier cause it yeah. is adults only. So it's kind of cool to see how they're like the, the venues they're choosing to put on their ships and the activities they're choosing. Cause like we said, it's an adult only crowd. So yeah, yeah, pretty neat overall. I mean,
0: they've got so many different dining options. Like we, they don't fit the categorization of like what we talked about for the smaller ships. They've got a lot of dining options. You know, they definitely have some really cool venues, on board, right so they they reuse some of the venues for different shows like they can convert the theater into a club and they you know they they kind of multi-purpose a lot of things which makes sense because again it's not a huge ship but they can kind of leverage you know maybe one space for multiple purposes which is really nice as well
1: so frank so i guess summarize this does ship size matter to you
0: i think it does matter to me i think i mean it really just depends on again who you're cruising with where you're going For me though, if I had the choice, same itinerary, same exact situation, same price, I'm probably gonna go with a larger ship just because I do prefer, you know, a lot of different entertainment options. I love the Central Park on the Oasis class ship, so I I always lean that if it's available. Uh, You know, I just, I love all the different venues. Not to say that you know you can't have a great experience on a smaller ship. I've had so many great cruises. That's why I got hooked on cruising to start was on a smaller ship because I just love the basic experience. And since then, it's just gotten so much even better because there's so many different things to do, so many different options. I just keep coming back because I keep getting like that wow factor. So for yeah. me, I think ship size matters. What do you think, Mike?
1: Yeah, for me, like I said, I would lean on the side of larger ships. That's kind of what I've been doing more the past couple years and I'm looking forward to in the future. But uh, looking at the other side of doing smaller ships in the future, if I were to go do, I don't know, let's say Asia or go back to Europe and do some of uh, the other ports where I couldn't hit when I was on Wonder last year, then yeah, I mean, I'd be okay doing a smaller ship to go see. Like we said, I think the itinerary at that point would play a much larger role yeah. in my crew selection. But, yeah, like you said, the larger ships, like we've mentioned, were big foodies. The more food options, the more different bar options on the ship, entertainment, the more to keep us really entertained at the end of the day and having a great time, I feel like is what I'm going to be looking forward to.
0: So, Michael, if you could take two specialty restaurants in one of your favorite venues from any cruise line, okay, what would you, if you had to create a smaller ship, let's say you had to take some things from the larger ships? Maybe also a couple activities in there, too. What would you kind of bring over to a smaller ship from, say, an Oasis class or from uh, Mardi Gras or Celebration? What would you kind of bring over there if you were kind of creating a smaller ship from scratch?
1: Oh, you got me building my own little cruise ship here. Yeah. Okay. So as far as food, you know, I mentioned in the past Street Eats. I really like on Mardi Gras and Celebration, kind of the food hall concept, but looking at what... Virgin's been doing with their food hall and that you have coming out on Icon soon. I really like the idea of just having a bunch of different food options available. And like I said, it'll all be made to order. So it'll stay the food will stay fresh throughout the day. And then it also just have a high repeatability option to go back because you have all different types of food to try. The second thing I would add, I haven't had it yet, but Bistro Selemiere, it's one of Princess's newer specialty dining restaurants. Obviously, by the, you can tell by the name, it's French themed. And I don't know, you know, I went to Paris to round out my honeymoon and it kind of, I don't know, a lot of cruise ships, I feel like don't have French food on them. So yeah. it's, it's something different and it's not just your standard steakhouse. Yeah. As far as a neighborhood on the ship or entertainment venue on the ship, for me, I would take Guy's Summer Landing from Celebration of Mardi Gras. What I like about this area is, like I've said in the past, you really have it all. you got a pool out back, a bar outside, you got games inside, a restaurant inside. And so like I said, I mean, I could really just spend all day there. Whether I wanna relax, read a book, go watch sports inside, or go just chill at the pool and have some drinks. And then as far as a activity on the ship, you know, I've heard mixed reviews on Norwegian's go-karts, but I think it would be fun to go-kart on the ship. I like go-karting in general. It'd be nice, just, I don't know, a little friendly yeah. competition on the ship. And once again, to something different that I haven't really done yet. So Frank, how about you? What are you adding on your cruise ship? So for my
0: cruise ship that I'm building, I'm definitely putting a Central Park on there. I know that it takes yeah. a lot of room in the middle of the ship. To have a park, you got to get rid of some of the staterooms, but <laughs> it, it's a cool thing, right? Like it's really awesome just to be underneath the stars. I really love like the jazz in the park. They they did a lot of that on the oasis, on the Oasis of the Seas on my last cruise, and then you can have that space for some of my some of my dining venues that I'm gonna choose. But I just <laughs> I do really like Central Park. I think it adds a lot of just it's just completely different than any other cruise ship. And I think if you put that even on a smaller smaller ship, it would just be awesome in terms of my dining. I, my these options are a little bit out there but i love indian food actually i really do and on a normal cruise like in the main dining room i always get the indian option and i the one cruise ship that carnival has it's called the carnival splendor they actually have masala uh, tiger and they actually have a like a clay oven that gets up to like 1000 degrees and you can get your tandoori chicken ah. it's just it looks super cool and i think that'd be an awesome thing to have on my cruise ship the other option that I would like to have is the Extra Virgin from Virgin Voyages. Uh, this one, it looks great. I love Italian food. I was going to go with Jamie. It's Italian, but I was trying not to be too basic. I want to try <laughs> something new. And this one has homemade gelato, and they have like an affogato card that goes around. So I think this would be really cool. I've heard a lot of great reviews from those that have actually sailed recently on Virgin. It looks great. Love Italian food. In terms of my activities... I'm going to have to go with, I I think I need one flow rider for sure. (laughs) I love surfing on the cruise, but my second one is going to have to be the Aqua duck, which is the 765 foot long water coaster. This is actually the first we were talking about the water coaster earlier in the intro, but this one, it's crazy. There's a series of 46 foot tall stilts that they kind of have built for this on the Disney cruise. Oh wow. And it looks really cool. If anyone has seen the videos on Instagram, Looks awesome. I definitely want this on my cruise ship, even if it's a small ship. You can still have some really cool activity. So, Royal Caribbean, if you're listening to this, for your Discovery class, we need, we definitely need Central Park. We need some Indian options. Definitely need an Italian option. We need a water coaster. The FlowRider, we we could probably just take or leave that one, but I like wow. I I like the FlowRider. That's my that's my plus one, my little add in option there. So,
1: yeah, all those options really do sound great, and kind of like we said, I'm, I'm excited to see where some of these smaller ships, newer, smaller ships could go in the future. Yeah, And like we said, maybe Royal will be kind of the next ones to really dive into that.
0: We need like a cruise ship tycoon where you can go and like design, like, you know, you've done the roller coaster tycoon where you can like uh, make yeah. your own amusement park. This is like cruise ship tycoon where you can like design your, go drag and drop your favorite things and you can make your own cruise ships and design like the different areas of the ship. That'd be kind of fun, but
1: Those games, it used to be one of my favorite, and (laughs) loving cruise ships now. That'd be fun to do, too. So that's really going to wrap up our episode this week of Does Ship Size Matter? We hope that you enjoyed the episode. As always, if you're looking to book a cruise, uh, reach out to us, whether by phone or through our link in our bio. We really love to help you book your next cruise, like last week's episode, talking about Black Friday and a lot of the deals out there. Throughout the next couple of weeks and at the end of the year, there's really no better time to book. So if you need help looking at any pricing or any different add-ons to your cruise, reach out to us. And then if you have any questions that you want to be answered on a following question and answer segment on the podcast, feel free to, like always, send us a DM on Instagram, Facebook, send us an email. We'd love to hear from you and chat. So with that, we hope you have a great week and we'll see you back here next Wednesday.